Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Zeman Simchatenu, this is the season of our joy, a season of our rejoicing. Are you rejoicing today? Say amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Me too. <laughs> I want to share with you uh, an interesting, uh, as I was preparing for the Sukkot, y'all, I was really excited. Uh, I just uh, got a sense from the Lord that it was going to be really special. And, uh, and also, this is, a, this is a new season that we're in here at Bethel. I really feel that. Uh, and I'm really excited to see about what the Lord is going to be doing I encourage you, join along, come along on the journey. Those of you watching online, come on in, the water's just fine. Uh, Psalm chapter 137 is where we're going to start, Psalm 137. And uh, this is the time of our rejoicing. The first scripture I have for you is not so much, but I'm going to share it with you for the purpose of demonstrating and illustrating a progression here, which is part of our story and our journey, even here at Bethel, here in the United States, here in our world today. Okay, so uh, as, a, as a kind of like a preamble to Psalm 137, because this is not a Psalm of David, this is uh, uh, much later, in fact. And our people, as you know, if you know the story of our Jewish people, right, uh, we were the, the Israelite na- uh, nation, the Israelite tribes, the, the northern tribes had been taken captive, but the southern tribes were taken captive into Babylon, and, uh, and they were captive there for a number of decades, and, uh, and so where, what would happen? I mean, it, it was a disaster. Out of our people's disobedience, y'all, the Lord allowed this, this captivity as we were taken captive uh, into a foreign land. And, uh, and how must it have been for our people to be taken from the promised land? I mean, you think about it, everything that we read about in Moses and the, in the Exodus, right, and the children of Israel, and, uh, and the 40 years of wandering in the desert, wandering in the desert, uh, and and, and they, they wanted to go in, but the spies gave the bad report. You, you know this whole journey, this whole story. Finally, after the 40 years uh, in which partially we commemorate with Sukkot, 
of wandering in the desert where the Lord did sustain us, but we were finally able to enter the promised land. This had been something that we had aspired to for so long, something that God had promised even so many centuries earlier to Avraham, Avraham Avinu, Abraham our father. And so this was a dream. It was a dream that had been realized. Finally, after all these centuries, we finally made it to the land of Israel, the promised land that we had been sworn and given to, to be given to. We finally made it, and we were in the land, and we were in the land for a long time, of course. But then, after all this time, that which we had so, with such pain and, and difficulty and uh, had been able to obtain our inheritance, suddenly, for a time, it's taken away from us. Suddenly, for a time, it's taken away from, from us. How must that have felt to be taken away from that which God himself, the creator of the universe, had promised to us. Wow. We had been there for so long. But then, pain, persecution, death. Almost everything was taken away from us. Our land was taken away from us. Our possessions were taken away from us. Our inheritance was for a time removed. Many lives were taken away. Even the temple itself was destroyed, the first temple. And in addition to, to all these, these facts and, uh, the, and these things that were taken away from us, really also just kind of our, our very lifestyles were taken away. You think about that. I mean, the, the children of Israel that had lived in, in, in Jerusalem for so long, for example, everything that they did, even on a regular daily basis, was taken away. Their daily routines were taken away. Some of these interactions that they would have with their family members, their neighbors, their, their generational influences and interactions, all these things that, 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 they were, that, they, that we as a people were used to were suddenly taken away. What, what a horrible time. What a difficult season. What a painful moment for our people. And from that we get Psalm 137. So let's read that with the context of, of when and how it was written and the heart from which it was written contextually. Psalm 137, verse 1. Listen to the lament. By the rivers of Babylon. That's not in Israel. This is when they were in captivity. We sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Whew. On the willows there, we hung up our harps. Plain words, he put them away. For there our, our captors demanded songs and our tormentors asked for joy. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing a song of Adonai in a foreign land? Wow. 
Say Psalm 137 is deep. The, the, the mournfulness is, is palpable. I can really relate to it, actually, having been in Israel so, so long, lived there for a while. I, I understand. When I read that, my heart weeps. There, there was, there's something about being in the inheritance that God gives you that's so special. And our people had been there for so long and it was ripped away from them. Truly, we were literally captives. We were captives. We longed for the days of freedom. We couldn't muster hardly any joy. We long to return to how it used to be. But it would take time and it would take God's infinite mercy. So as I was reflecting upon this Sukkot that we're in right now, that started tonight, something struck me. For years now, we have been in a type of captivity. We have mourned. Yes, we've mourned those who perished in the pandemic. But also we've mourned for our way of life. It's easy to forget because we don't want to think about it, but remember how many times we lamented that we could not even see in person our senior citizens? My dad was isolated for almost a full year. We missed birthdays. We missed holidays. We missed Passover seders. We missed being together in fullness for the holy days. And even when we were, it was limited and not like before. Wow, and the more I thought about it and the more I thought about the children of Israel, while surely not the same and not at that level, there are some definitive parallels, very right, that, that you can really see if you think about it, which all leads us to Psalm 126. Let's turn to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Hmm. See, Psalm 137 is kind of like the, is, is part of the story. It's like the beginning of the story. We hung up our harps. We couldn't even sing. We couldn't even sing. How could we sing songs of joy when we're captives like this? It was hard to muster up any joy. Remember, Sukkot is Zaman Simchatenu, the season of our joy. But how could we muster any joy when it was just so hard. It was so difficult. 
Uh, Psalm 126, known as a psalm of ascents, when we were, were returning back from captivity. So I want to read Psalm 126 in just a moment while you turn to it. As a side note, total aside, I'm going to drop a mic here in just a second. Also, the, subjectively, the greatest Messianic Jewish song ever written. Drop the mic from Psalm 126. And I think the anthem of the Messianic Jewish movement is the song taken from 126. I'm speaking of Lamb, Lord, Revive Us, which comes from 126. I think it is the greatest Messianic song ever written. Uh, and is the anthem of our movement, if you, if you listen to it. I encourage you, get yourself Lamb, Lord, Revive Us, and let it minister to you. Psalm 126, verse 1. When Adonai restored the captives of Zion. Okay, in other words, when we came back. When we came back and came back to Zion, came back to Israel from being captives, it was as if we were dreaming. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with a song of joy. Then they said among the nations, Adonai has done great things for them. Adonai has done great things for us. We are joyful. Restore us from captivity, Adonai, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap joy. Whoever keeps going out weeping, carrying his bag of seed, will surely come back with a song of joy, carrying his sheaves. Amen. Wow, what a contrast, right? He nests to Psalm 137. Oh my gosh, what a complete and total contrast of Psalm 137 where we couldn't even sing songs. We couldn't even muster it up out of our diaphragm. <laughs> wow, now we are singing songs of joy. What a redemption story. From 137 to 126, what a change. What a turnaround from where we were in Psalm 137. Sukkot, my friends, Sukkot, the festival of booths or tabernacles is such a joyous holiday. It is such a joyous holiday, and yet our joy has been tempered these last couple of years. And I'll tell you, friends, even so, right, Brandon, we've still sown. By gosh, we've still sown. We've still sown in this congregation, I'll tell you that. Sometimes they've been with tears. Sometimes we've sown with tears when we couldn't be together, when some of our mishpacha drifted away, but still we sowed, and we will continue to sow, and we kept sowing, 
even when things weren't as they were before. We kept sowing. We still planted seeds. I'm going to tell you, friends, we kept doing our best. We were doing our best. It's hard when, it's, when you're captive. It's hard when you're captive. It's hard to muster up songs of joy when you're captive. Back then, our people took our harps and they hung them on the willow trees. We can't sing songs of joy. How can we do this in a foreign land? It's hard. But 126 says, hey, listen, even though you sowed in tears, you'll reap with joy. The key is you got to keep sowing. And beloved, I'll tell you, we kept sowing during this pandemic. Here at this congregation, we kept sowing. And I know that many of you did too in your own lives because it was like we were captives too. But friends, that makes the return all the sweeter. That makes 126 all the sweeter. That's why I think this is a special Sukkot that we are in right now. It's, it does, it's not precisely exactly like it was before. Just like when the children of Israel came back, it wasn't exactly. But let me tell you what, they appreciated it. And they came back with songs of joy. We have returned to Zion. And now our mouths are filled with laughter. Those who sow in tears will reap with a song of joy. Finally, we are back from what we suffered. Finally, finally, our high holy days have been more like they used to be, my friends. What a delight these holy days have been. Wow, right, Godfrey? They've been amazing. Godfrey has been part of the team along with all the other prayer team ministry members that have been praying backstage for each person involved in every holiday service that we've had. Man, they've been bathed in prayer. I was telling the prayer team beforehand, Ines and Richard and Terry and Godfrey and Edith and uh, Stephen and Don and so many others who have been involved in the prayer ministry, Randy, that, that wow, I think that the prayer has been what the difference is. Why has, has our services been so fantastic this year? Listen, I know that they pray every year. There's been something special this year. I hope that you can sense it and have been able to sense it also. It is such a, a joy that we are back, if you will. You see in the background right here, the temple. If you can't see it from the very back, I understand. You can watch the stream later. <laughs> you see, this is actually a part of a, a panel that, that you can put in a sukkah. Uh, Rebetzin and I got that when we were in Jerusalem a few years ago, Temple Institute. And, uh, and you can see the, the, the temple and them worshiping by the temple. And interestingly, this psalm, Psalm chapter 126, is a sheer Hama'alot, a song of ascent. There are a few of them that are specifically delineated in Scripture as psalms or songs of ascent. What were these? These were special psalms that were sung while literally ascending. 
any of you who've been to Israel with me before, you know that, that Jerusalem is, is up very high in elevation. It's on a mountain, effectively. And boy, if you're coming from the Dead Sea on one side or if you're coming from Tel Aviv on the other side, either way, you're going straight up to get to Jerusalem. And, and this psalm, Psalm 126, is a song of ascent to be sung literally while ascending towards Jerusalem. And now, depending upon the scholar that you speak with, and let me tell you, they're across the board in this, but these songs of ascent were sung either as people went up or ascended to Jerusalem. So that, that ascent from Tel Aviv, that ascent from the Dead Sea, that ascent from wherever you're coming from, as you're going up, as you're ascending, people would sing these psalms. Or literally on the stairs in the temple area, there, there are some stairs that are kind of just outside this courtyard, like right over here on the other side. There are these steps, and, uh, and some people believe that these were the steps that as you ascended, each step of the 15 steps, you would, you would uh, sing the, 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 the song of ascents in, in terms of aliyah, which means to go up. Some people think it's uh, the, the southern steps. Some of you have been with me to the southern steps right outside the Temple Mount. These steps that were kind of extra long. The, the people thought that as you ascended these, these steps, that if you've been with me to Israel before, you've been to them. You've stepped on them. Amazing. 2,000-year-old. Uh, and and the, the, you, would, the, you would sing these songs of ascent as you were stepping up to arrive on the Temple Mount. There are different views as to exactly what that was. But we know that the priests would sing these psalms, these psalms of ascent on the temple, or rather on the steps in the temple area. We can see even uh, in this picture, you can look later, but the, the, the priests are all lined up here with their trumpets, and, 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 and it's like a chorus, and they're singing songs unto the Lord as they would, and they would have sung part of the psalms of ascent there, oh, there's overall a very strong connection to the temple during Sukkot. There's this, it makes sense if you think about it, right? Solomon's temple, the first temple, was even dedicated when? During Sukkot. Why, why does this make sense? Oh, this, you see, this is an early foreshadow, friends. Oh, God, there's so much richness to the word of God. And there's so much richness to the, to the feasts and festivals, and it's just missed by so many. The, 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 the reason it's so connected, Sukkot is so connected to the temple, is because the temple was this first place, other than really Gan Eden, the, the Garden of Eden itself, where God dwelt with us. This is the whole prophetic message and meaning of Sukkot is dwelling together, God dwelling with us. God dwelt with us on this planet, right there in the temple, right there. The temple itself, the Mishkan, the tabernacle, so connected to Sukkot, so very special in that regard. The Mishnah tells us that the, that the people of Israel would walk around the altar waving their etrog and lulav during Sukkot, chanting, Ana Adonai, Hoshiana, 
Answer us, O Lord. Save us. You see the the altar right there. They, They would dance around the altar. Throngs of people dancing around the altar, waving their lulavs and etrogs, pleading to God, Lord, answer us. Save us. We need you, O God. Can you imagine that worship service? Wow. In fact, the, the, the people typically between the altar and the temple itself, in this area on this side, typically only the priests would be allowed. However, during Sukkot, it, it was extended beyond just the priests in order to make the hakafot, the, the circles around the altar. Wow. This is, as a side note, why we waved, why Joel waved the lulav and etrog around Willie who was, who was holding the Torah scroll. I love Willie, man. What a, what a wonderful man of God. And, uh, and uh, honor intended for he and his family. And, and this is why. This was symbolic of this event when we had the temple there. We, when we walked around, that's exactly during the, during the recitation of some of the Hallel that Yoel was reciting. There was Yoel waving the Lulav and Etrog uh, around the Torah scroll, symbolic of what happened those even thousands of years ago in the temple itself. During Sukkot, the people got closer to the presence of God than at any other point. On Sukkot, the general population, if I could put it that way, were able to get closest to being, you know, because inside the temple, only the priests, inside the building itself. But man, they could get right up to it during Sukkot. And these beautiful strips of fabric that are on either side of me are symbolic as well. Why? Because the sukkah itself, y'all, I encourage you when you finish today, go out to the sukkah. Man, it's a beautiful sukkah. They did such a great job building and decorating that sukkah. It is awesome. Outstanding! I want to thank the Wiedemeyers and all the other people who helped with this. It is stunning and, uh, and beautiful. And, and wow, we were able to accomplish it without Mr. Goldberg, which is miraculous. <laughs> Mr. G added, ran that for decades uh, so wonderfully. But sort of like uh, David, he left us the pattern. And then we were able to, uh, to pick it up from there. I sure appreciate Mr. G. He sent me a, a text a little earlier today with his Lulav and Etrog in, in, in Oregon and the foggy. In any case, it's a man, our, our, our sukkah is amazing. We have a sick sukkah, man. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, I want to encourage you. <laughs> I want to encourage you to go and dwell in the sukkah, thereby fulfilling our, the command to dwell in the sukkah during Sukkot. Even if you looked in it before you came in here, it wasn't Sukkot yet. After you leave here today, just go and spend a little time. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, Stephen or, or, or Margaret, maybe you guys can grab the Lulav and Etrog from here on stage and bring it out there so people can wave it and to see it and experience it and smell that Etrog in the, in the sukkah. It is so incredibly beautiful, no question. And, and, and so the fabric that we have, that I have behind me that you see on stage because the sukkah itself, which we have out there, which is so beautiful, really both reminds us of and represents in part the mishkan or the tabernacle. 
the temporary dwelling of the permanent that is to come. We know that the temple, even the the fancy temple of Solomon, was only a shadow of that which is in the heavenlies. We read about that, right? And within the temple itself, we had the parochet, right? The curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And we know from Exodus chapter 26 that the colors of the curtain were to be blue, purple, and scarlet. Blue, purple, and scarlet. And to represent this curtain, the colors, these three colors, often, it's often, if you come from a Sephardic Jewish background, it's all, they often will be used to adorn a Sephardic Sukkot or a Sephardic Sukkah. And in doing so, even this further reminds us of the Mishkan and the fact that we long to dwell with God. When you get in that Sukkah, when you step into it, what is it? It's a little kind of booth and we've got it with this, all this kind of plans and stuff and it's got a roof that's, that's clearly not a permanent roof and that you can see stars through. So you can see Jupiter through it. And they say we're very close to Jupiter right now. Okay, you can see the stars, there, right? But, but, but what exactly, as you enter it, A, you're fulfilling the command, but it should be kind of cluing you off on things. It should be reminding you of things. We're, we're on a journey here. We're, we're, we're pilgrims passing through this world, right? But there is an eternity to be had. And that eternity to be had is when we dwell with God. And we want to be in his presence. And so when we walk into a sukkah, there's a certain joy that we have. So in Psalm 126, the children of Israel were restored to Jerusalem and the land of Israel. And it was a time of great rejoicing. And in a similar way, I think, that this Sukkot represents for us something special. We can all dwell together again when the time of our captivity is over. We're able to come back in our own way to our own congregation, to each other. And so what do we say? We say the same thing that we read about in Psalm 126. We say, God has done mighty things for us. And what we sowed in tears, we now reap with joy. Amen? (laughs) And finally, wow, and here's the full circle nature of it and then how profound it is. Because it's so cool and the, the, the depth of it is, is so rich. And finally, as much as we are so relieved to be together again, in all its fullness, to be together again, and it gives us such great joy. And even, even I see some of you here, even today that I've not seen in a while, it's so good to see you. It gives me great, what am I do? I'm smiling it gives me great simcha. And as much as we rejoice 
to be together again now. Sukkot is actually next level. Why? Because, wait for it, if you really get down to it at its core, we're actually still in captivity. Yes, we are still in the diaspora. That's not what I'm talking about. We're not quite home yet. Because right now, we still have tears, pain, and death. So in truth, Sukkot, while being so incredibly joyous, and in particular for us right now, this particular Sukkot, this year, 5783, at the same time, Sukkot also, sort of like that little tinge of Ecclesiastes, reminds us that we're still not quite home yet. Revelation chapter 21 Listen to what is to come, and you see if this relates to what I've been talking about. You see what you think. You, you make the determination if there's connections here, or if I'm just kind of coming up with this on my own. <laughs> Revelation 21 relates to Psalm 137 and Psalm 126. Revelation 21 kind of connects Psalm 137 and especially Psalm 126 connects it to eternity. Ooh, it's good. Revelation 21, verse 2, it's a vision of that which is to come. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, I also heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is among men, and he shall tabernacle among them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be among them and be their God. And he shall wipe every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Nor shall there be any mourning or crying or pain any longer. For the former things have passed away. Oh, oh treasured ones. The day is coming, the day is coming when Sukkot will be here in all of its glory. It will be an eternal Sukkot. We will be with the Lord forever. Some of you wonder why there is pain in this world the reason is because we have not yet entered into the final Sukkot. We are still 
in captivity. So my friends, the children of Israel coming back from captivity, Psalm 137 to 126, is a shadow of what is to come. The rejoicing of 126, we read it. It's unbelievable. That's a shadow of what is to come. And you could even say, in a small way, that our return from the pandemic gives us a small taste of what is to come. The joy that we have of being together again. The joy that we have of of not being in that state that we were in before. It's a taste. A small taste of what is to come. When we have joy in our songs of joy that we sing. But the final and ultimate Sukkot will surpass anything that we could ever imagine. And Psalm 126 will come alive as never before. We will indeed ascend. And our mouths will be filled with laughter and our tongue with a song of joy. And we will say, Adonai has done great things for us. We are joyful. And we who sowed in tears will come with joy. And so the title of my message is The Joy of Sukkot. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If you've never committed your life to God, how about today on Sukkot, the Lord wants to dwell with you. If you're here and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, but you'd like to, lift your hand and we'll pray together. If you've never committed your life to God, but you'd like to, just lift your hand and we'll pray. Perhaps you're watching online and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah or listening on the podcast. Repeat these simple words and the Lord will touch you and he will change you. Say, dear God, I'm sorry that I've sinned. Forgive me. I accept Yeshua into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. And God, I'm looking forward to to dwelling with you now and forever. Thank you, O God, in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you. And if you're here and you said that prayer for the first time, please see me after the service. I just want to give you a hug and celebrate with you. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this Sukkot. I thank you that this is something new. This is a new season for us here at Bethel I really see it. The old things, but there's new. Hadash. I'm very excited about what you have for us here, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our mishpacha. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Thank you for the ultimate Sukkot that is to come. Thank you, God. It's, it's just absolutely mind-blowing that you want to tabernacle with us, that you want to dwell with us. Unbelievable. 
Oh, thank you, Lord, for these things. We bless you on this special day. And Lord, we are really excited and looking forward to getting to head out and spend some time in our sukkah. And I pray blessings on our congregation during this festival of Sukkot, that you'll bless each and every person here and watching, that, that you will give them special, Lord, let your presence be with them. Dwell with them in a special way, this Sukkot. Give them a little bit more of that preview of that which is to come. And Lord, let us also dwell with each other. I thank you, God, for these things. Thank you for your provision and for us in the desert also. And over these last couple years, Lord, we bless you for these things. B'Shem Yeshua, in our name of our Messiah, Yeshua, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.